So talk, say something. Talking. I'm saying so. Talking. Hello. Hi. Alright. Are you ready to go? Yeah, pretty much. Some of the stories I don't know what they are, but... Sometimes I like it when you don't know the stories, because um, it makes reactions and conversations with them a little better. So, um, and then what did you say? Uh, it's your pick, right? Today. Alright, well, I'm good then. I'm cool. ready to go. Alright. Um, give me my countdown, we'll go. Alright. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast whose Pokemon save file got overwritten and we only cried for about 20 minutes. My name is Drew, I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother Peter. Here. Um, hey man. Uh, what? <laughs> what uh, I, feel, I think we're feeling better. Yeah, definitely. All right, because yeah. right, we were both kind of under the weather trying to do a show and coughing and stuff, so again, I apologize for that episode, but hey. Um... We, uh, what are we watching this week? Let's just jump right in. We got a, actually a long list of news. So. Okay, yeah, awesome. Um, so I finished watching The Witcher, which I don't think you've... I have not. Okay. I might, okay, so I am, when this, by the time this episode airs, I will be in my new work schedule. But, as of the time of the recording, I am about a week and a half out of my new work schedule. Once that changes, I'm going to have all this extra time. Yeah. Because I'm going to be home late. And people are going to bed, and I have to stay up because I work at different mm-hmm. times. So I'll be so, able to... so here's like all I'll say about The Witcher is <clears throat> this is a series that at certain points of the show, it is one of my favorite things I've ever watched. Like I'm like, this show is awesome. I love it. Like it's great. And then certain parts of the show, <clears throat> maybe I'm not as enthused, but the biggest thing is the show really mostly feels supplementary to either the game or the books, I'm assuming, because I haven't read the books, I haven't played the game. So basically what I'm left with is not knowing a lot. And it's it's definitely understandable for the most part. There's a couple confusing episodes that you'll watch that you might have to Wikipedia some stuff, but it is like... Oh, there's a source material I gotta go for? Like, an outside source <laughs> well, material? Well, there, what like, is that kind there's of... There's a couple specific moments that are like, you... The what, the episode doesn't explain it at all, and it's actually kind of frustrating. So there is, like, a couple, like, okay. overly frustrating moments, but for the most part, you can follow everything, but you really are left with a sense that the show is barely scratching the surface of... Showing, like, telling you about these characters, telling you about this world that they're in. It's it's awesome. Like, I love the show, but I really got the sense of, like, I got, like, the tiniest, like, surface scratch of information with this show. Um, I was actually talking to a coworker about this earlier today, and I was saying how I think the show did its job in the sense that I am a lot more curious about the world. Um, I am excited about it. I kind of want to go start reading the books. And so as like a giant commercial for the books or the games, like I think the Joe, the show is doing its job. It just really gave me that sense of like, it's kind of like supplement supplementary almost. Oh, so, all right. Very cool. Um, other than that, I finally got the chance to watch <clears throat> The Joker. Oh, so oh, uh, you're finally getting to see this yeah, movie. Yeah. All right. So that that's on uh, Redbox. So I checked that out. Um I liked it. It was a... <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> it. Well, it was a movie that, after I watched it, I was like, I don't really know how to feel about this movie, but, like, since I've watched it, I've thought, like, compared to other movies, I just keep thinking about the Joker. Like, it keeps going through my head, and um, it's one of those things where 
the movie deals a lot with mental health issues, of course. Yeah. And I'm somebody who's coming, who's approaching it where like, I don't know enough about just that whole side of life. Like, I don't know about mental health issues, and so like, I, I don't know if I was left, I was left with this like, I don't know if the movie handled this stuff tastefully or not. You know, I just, I just don't know about it. So that's kind of where okay. I came from, where I'm like. I don't know what to think about it. But then, at the same time, I keep thinking the movie, even though it is a comic book movie that takes place in Gotham City, it brings up so many real-world issues and stuff that I've just... It's almost like it makes a statement on a number of issues, whether it's the sort of, like, wage disconnect, like, in America with, like, ultra-rich versus ultra-poor, and then also, like, mental health issues and how that's handled, and it's kind of like cool in that way that is kind of like bringing all this stuff to like the forefront of conversation um i mean other than that it was <laughs> super suspenseful there was multiple parts of the movie that made me jump and the movie did a good job of uh it kind of it didn't like go over the top like it definitely held its punches where by the end of the movie it had like this big climax but there's a lot of parts of the movies that were like almost would be quiet moments where not that much happens, but the way it's portrayed is so severe that it makes you jump. Or <laughs> You're just like, oh, jeez. Right. I'm not going to say any of them because I don't want to spoil it. But, yeah, I I mean, I, I really like I this feel one. Like, but... I feel like, so the Oscars are right around the corner. Yeah. And um, this is, I'm going to pull this out of the news segment, and we'll talk about this right now since you brought up the Joker. Yeah. Um, but the Joker is leading. So Joaquin Phoenix got his Best, direct, best Actor Award at the... Uh, uh, Golden Globes, but the Oscar nominations are in, and the Joker is leading the pack with 11 total nominations. Those nominations are as follows. Best Sound Mixing, Best Sound Editing, Best Costume Design, Best Makeup and Hairstyling, Best Film Editing, Best Cinematography, Best Original Score, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Actor, Best Director, and Best Picture. Like that's that's insane, yeah, and this yeah. is one of those situations where I'm like, are, is the is the Academy going to finally take comic book movies seriously? For sure. Do you know what I mean? I think getting that amount of nominations kind of confirms that they are, but right. I still I still feel like I'll be surprised if it wins Best Picture just because it is a it's, comic book. Movie, here's the know? thing: if <coughs> if it doesn't win Best Actor. It is a slap in the face to that performance. Oh, absolutely. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's it's one of it's it's yeah, it it would be a complete travesty if they didn't and like I'm fully expecting him to bring home that award. Yeah. So since you bring it up, there is one and this is a bit of a tangent, but there is one because um, I was looking up all the nominees for the Oscars this year, and there's one category that I actually kind of feel uh, a little bit disappointed in, and that was the costume design category. And it isn't to diminish any of the movies on that list, but a lot of them are very not too far from like what people wear like in modern day, I guess, where there's right. like Joker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, there's one other where I was like, well, that's kind of like not Normal, super imaginative when like, you that's you know. and that's one of my that's some of my problems when like when you get to those awards like costume designs always bothered me because when they're just like yeah this movie got nominated for costume and not, design not, and you're like that's normal clothes but not you know? but not to diminish those movies because obviously like there were some really sophisticated 
choices made for like a lot of the costumes in those movies but at the same time there wasn't that sort of like lord of the rings level of like well this movie showed me costumes that i've never even right. seen or thought of before right. sort of thing so. um yeah and the same thing with makeup and hairstyling and when you're just you know when you get to when you look at makeup and you're like well that's normal makeup yeah you know what i mean like they just made that girl look good <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. like how is that being nominated um I still will defend that uh, the Suicide Squad winning Best Makeup of the year that it did. Well, I, I think that come and honestly, I, you know, a lot of they like to focus on Harley when you talk about Best Makeup, but I really think that focuses more heavily on uh, Killer Croc. No, that, and the Enchantress. Then that's you know. true, but I still feel like even if you focus on Harley, like this is like a makeup design that affected sort of pop culture unlike any other movie did that year and you go to a halloween party or a comic book convention shortly after suicide squad you see a million of those harley quinns and it's like i feel like it's bad to diminish like the effect you know even those the simple makeup designs in that movie like kind of left on our culture so right um well we'll throw i'll give you my uh watching or not watching category um i haven't watched anything (laughs) (laughs) not to jump back on that tangent uh it's just been crazy busy and i was hoping to get some stuff watched this weekend but what's interesting is i had a weekend where i watched a whole bunch of stuff and then i went into not having a chance but what i will say is that as soon as we're done recording i'm gonna walk out in the living room and i'm gonna watch the conclusion to crisis on infinite earth (laughs) so i'm looking forward to that so when we wrap it up here and you go home for the evening i'm gonna sit down and watch crisis i can't wait um, so that's my watching, and I'll have a full review on the uh, climactic ending as we go, because, yeah, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> and it's also the final episode of Arrow. Arrow led all the way up to this, so Arrow is done as of this. But what's interesting is is that we're getting a Lois and Clark series, or I don't know if it's a Lois and Clark series. We're getting a Superman and Lois series that's gone yeah. straight to series order without a pilot being shot. Cool. And they've shown some images for... Um, Green Arrow and the Canaries, which is the like basically the Canaries show that's going to replace Arrow. So Neat. they're just tacking on more shows, and I'm like, man, it's just more DC for me to cave up with. <laughs> yeah, so. absolutely. So yeah. Um, well, do you want to talk some news? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. Um, I'm going to bounce around this list, but I'll hit some of these small ones real quick. Did you see the quarters for 2020? <clears throat> I don't know what that means. Okay, so, you know, oh, how, like literal like, quarters, like a quarter, okay. <laughs> like literal, like. <laughs> no, I did 20, not see twenty-five these. cents quarters. So uh, this is for a. Um, this is clearly for a uh, wildlife uh, awareness kind of thing, uh, but the quarters for twenty twenty will have bats on them. Oh, that's but fun. because. We like Batman. It just made me go. First off, I want one of these quarters. Oh yeah. Secondly, uh, that's awesome. I mean, so you need. One, I thought it was worth mentioning. <laughs> you need one to keep mint and collect, and another one to scratch up the bat side and have your Two Face quarter. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> I just thought it was kind of cool, so um, I'm looking forward to actually getting one of those on my hands. That's awesome. Um, so, uh, do you remember that uh, fabled, uh, fabled Chucky television series? <laughs> vaguely that we talked about yeah. long like i think we talked is, about it like our first halloween episode yeah our yeah. first halloween episode like hey a chucky series is coming and then we didn't hear anything um sci-fi has officially ordered it 
to go as a TV series that will directly follow up the original films, including the 2017's Cult of Chucky. Now, this is where the show has hope. Sci-fi is ordering it, which means Sci-Fi is one of those networks like CW where they will get something up on the ground and then it'll stick around for like 10 seasons yeah. and then they'll get rid of it. Um, and Sci-Fi will do that and they'll force it along. So the fact that Sci-Fi picked up the series... It's probably going to get to our screens faster than if it was in any other network, to be yeah, completely honest. I'd agree with that. I think that's actually great news because I think the Child's Play audience is already watching sci-fi. <laughs> and um, sci-fi, honestly, they I feel like sci-fi sometimes gets a bad name because you look at sci-fi original movies and you've got like the Sharknados and like Ice Spiders and Boa vs. Python hey, and hey, all this stuff. Big-ass spider is awesome. <laughs> well, like, my point is that even though there are some corny sci-fi original movies, their series, for the most part, are actually really good. Like, yeah. they don't have a lot of bad series. Like, a lot of them are actually pretty decent. so, like, I'm pretty excited about, like, that, you know, Child's Play being in their hands, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, do you, uh, are you a Bond fan? James um, Bond? I'm a very casual Bond fan. Right. Like, so, yeah. So am I. Um, I've seen my handful of movies. The new one, uh, No Time to Die, the final, Daniel Craig's final ones, Bond 25. Oh, my God. Yeah. It looks amazing. Like, I really want to see this movie. <laughs> yeah. um, do you, uh, have you, are you a fan of Billie Eilish? Um, I'd say so, yeah. I okay. think she's pretty cool. I, like, I really like Bad Guy, her song okay, Bad yeah, Guy, yeah. and it made me look at many of her other stuff. And then she did her thing on SNL, which her SNL performance, no, her SNL. Yeah, when she was on SNL, it was awesome. Is that when she did the um, the box. that like Fred Astaire, yeah, like the dancing box. on the walls thing? Yeah, yeah, it awesome. was it was really cool. Yeah, no, they um, there was some really cool like, I really just like her in terms of a celebrity personality. Uh, she is, and I just thought this was really sweet and worth mentioning. She will officially perform um, the theme song for No Time to Die. Cool. But she's also writing it. So, yeah. which will make her, and she's writing it with her brother, um, it'll make her the youngest artist ever to write a James Bond theme. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty cool and, like, really fitting. Like, I feel like Billie Eilish does music that, like, today's music that would be very equivalent to, like, Bond music of the past, but I kind of like that the studio is, it seems like they're pretty forward-thinking as since they've picked her as opposed to some other famous singer who, like, people don't care about as much nowadays. So it's kind of, like, cool that the studio seems to be right on the pulse with this pick, in my opinion. So right. that's pretty cool, yeah. I, I, <laughs> and I wouldn't expect Bad Guy that kind of, like, because she sings, her range is crazy. Like, she's yeah. all over the place with, like, styles and, like, you know, it's it's really, really cool. Um the uh, and I know we don't talk music that much, but I just I really I'm really enjoying what she's doing in that industry right now. Nice. So, but in understanding her range when I listened to her album because Bad Guy got my attention, and then I started listening to her album, and her album's amazing. Um, but when you look at the different range of all the different types of styles she goes through, don't expect a bad guy. I'm not expecting a bad guy style song for Bond. I'm. Like she can sing, so I'm really, right. I'm really looking forward to it. Actually. Okay, nice. T to be honest, I'm actually looking forward to a Bond mm -hmm. theme song, which I thought was funny. <laughs> um, since you, uh, since you did say that you like the song "Bad Guy" a lot, there is a movie 
Uh, I feel like I'm already giving away too much, but there's something that I've reviewed on my What Are We What Are We Watching that I don't think you've watched yet that uses that song in a really cool way, and I'm not going to say what it is because I don't want to ruin anything. But You're going to have to tell me after the show then. I don't think I want to because oh. I, I feel like it might be a spoiler. But... All right. That's fair. <laughs> um, so uh, since we're talking spies, um, I'm a big Mission Impossible fan. Of the movies. Yeah. We have two, and like Mission Impossible hasn't been on my radar for a while since six came out. And we usually don't, I usually don't mention Spice uh, uh, castings for these movies, but this one caught my attention uh, just because he was a former X Men. Okay. Um, but Nicholas Holt is now cast in, um, Nicholas Holt, who played Beast in the newer X Men films, is cast in the next, <coughs> in the next two Mission Impossible films. Okay. Uh, because they're they're being shot back to back, so it's like a two parter. I, I my guess is it's it's a two parter because they're kind of shooting them back to back. So um, I just thought that was kind of cool and worth mentioning. Yeah, I, I like the actor. I don't yeah. <laughs> have no, much it's, thoughts about yeah, it. It's all good. Past that, but yeah, um, sounds good. All right, let's take a look at uh, some Marvel news and DC news, and then head yeah. into our speaking of X Men. <laughs> speaking yeah. of X Men, yeah. So. Um, we talked about the New Mutants trailer last yeah. week, right? Okay, so, and we talked about how it's original cut. Okay, so officially, the New Mutants isn't, is not a part, is not an MCU movie. Even though it's the first Fox Marvel movie to be released since Disney's acquisition of the, of the studio. So it's still, it's still being released under the Fox banner, and it is not a part of the MCU at all. Which says even more to me, like we talked about last week, that the, any reshoots that were ordered were not for Disney lineup. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I okay. actually think this is good news. As much as it's cool to have everything connected, like like you said, they're not trying to pigeon this hole this into the MCU, which means we're getting closer to what the original vision for this movie was going to be, you know, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, so... All right, so here's some bad news for the Marvel Universe, uh, because we were such big fans of Scott Derrickson's uh, direction for the first um, Doctor Strange film. Oh, right, yeah. Yes. He, uh, director Scott Derrickson will no longer direct Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness due to creative differences. I don't know what that means. And this is why I say that a lot of times when they say, due to creative differences, that usually means the studio has fired the director. And we saw that a few times with uh, uh, Rogue One is a good example, ha- uh, Solo is a good example. Um, well, what about... Um, uh, episode 9, Star Wars Episode 9. Lu- Lucasfilm has been firing directors for right. creative differences but wasn't, for a while. Uh, what about like Edgar Wright on... Uh, when he was on Ant-Man. Edgar Wright for But Ant-Man. didn't he leave of his own accord? Like He was kind of like... <clears throat> Marvel's not giving me the freedom that I want, and he left. Kind of. He wanted to make he wanted to make Ant Man, but it was going to be an Edgar Wright movie. And yeah. And they're like, "Well, this isn't the Marvel way," and he's like, "Well, I'm out." <laughs> um, the difference here is um, that he's no longer directing, but he will still remain on as an executive producer. Interesting. And that's why I said I don't entirely know what that means. Creative differences. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think it's just. As a, like where it's like different like producers might be more or less involved in a movie but when you're a director it's like your baby and maybe he was just like he still believes in this 
movie they're putting out, but it's not. It's just too much creative controls taken from him from that. Maybe MCU and now that and now they have to and not only that, <coughs> and not only control being taken away from you because of the MCU situation. There's a, probably the issue of there is uh, so much control being added that needs to be. You have to pay attention to the fact that there's television shows now that are interwoven. Oh yeah. So script writing is probably much harder. And this <laughs> is okay. And I'm gonna th- and I'm gonna throw this out. Um, when Agents of Shield was on, so Agents of Shield is on the air, right? And when the show started, they kept saying it's inter it's 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 it works with the movies. It's interwoven with the movies. And I wasn't seeing it and wasn't seeing it. And I was getting very very frustrated. And every now and then they'd throw in like a line of dialogue. And I'm like, ooh, but it was like <laughs> a line of dialogue, and that was it. And the show was just not doing well for me. And then Captain America: Winter Soldier came out, and it um, and when that came out, um, you had uh, it was a direct impact it was a very blatant impact and um but it only lasted for a little while and then it wasn't linked with it anymore and then you had people like on the internet like complaining like why aren't the cw shows lining up with the dc movies and you had someone like jeff john step in and say well we want the cw guys to let them do what they want to do yeah and the movie guys to do what they want to do we just want good stories told so we don't want to hinder our writers with the fact that they have to line up with each other. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of a bold statement to make, but here we are watching Crisis on Infinite Earths, yeah. and they're doing the Lord's work over there, and then DC, like, even though there's some people that don't like their movies, that's fine, to each his own, but their movies are winning Oscars. Okay, we have Suicide Squad's an Oscar yeah. winner. You know what I mean? Joker, look at the award, you look at the nominations alone, you know? So... I'm sorry, but does this let's tell good stories, you know? And yeah. now you have Marvel trying to rope in how many television shows to be added into the mix? Yeah. I um I've kind of I feel like when the MCU first started, um the whole like every movie's connected and then Agent Agents <clears throat> of Shield came out and it was like the show's going to be connected and that was really exciting, but I think the novelty of that wore off a little bit for me, and I think it was because I was watching the CW shows and seeing all the freedom they had on the CW and how you can have, like, Deathstroke be, like, a major villain in Arrow, but then have him have, like, a different version of Deathstroke, you know, appear in a post credit scene in, in one of the DC movies. And I just kind of, like... I kind of appreciate that cre- creative freedom more, I guess, where, yeah, I want to see them be able to make the best story they can can have and be kind of completely unleashed creatively so they can really do whatever they want. And I kind of appreciate that, you know, and uh, I, I don't know, I, I really like DC's approach to it where the TV shows, they are, a lot of them are connected and that's cool. And then you've got your movie universe and you can kind of get a different uh, vibe from each one too, you know. It's, yeah, variety's yeah, yeah. always good in my opinion, so. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let's talk about, uh, this is a big shakeup. Let's talk about this, uh, since we're on Marvel for a minute. Let's talk about the first trailer for Morbius. Right. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> so let's talk about who Morbius is for the uh, people who don't know, because it's really interesting. Uh, we have that group text with our brothers. Yeah. And the trailer came up in the conversation, and one of our brothers said, I don't even know who that guy is. <laughs> the thing is, I'm pretty sure he does. 
he just like didn't realize. No, it's 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 yeah. fine. It's just Morbius is the living vampire um, in the I, Marvel. He's basically the, like, re- the reason I say this is because like our brother who said he doesn't know who Morbius is. I've watched episodes of the Spider-Man animated series with him where Morbius appeared and stuff. So like oh. I'm like he knows who Morbius is. He probably just doesn't remember anything. Anyways, right. no, that's all good. <laughs> so he uh, so Morbius is the living vampire in Marvel comic books. He's and if I rem- if I know this right, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that he's the first comic book vampire. Um, and I only say that because Marvel, when he when he was created, there was a big thing with the comics code where you can't have yeah. a vampire in comic books. So they made him a quote unquote living vampire yeah. and wrote the origin so they could still do the vampire and not have <laughs> him actually be a vampire. I think quote un- air quotes. I want to say like it was actually you couldn't have undead creatures. No, there you go. And, and maybe so that's, that's why he was the living. Right, he's vampire. the living vampire. But um, he his correlation is he eventually led to the creation of the character Blade. Yeah. You know, who was eventually played by Wesley Snipes, and we're going to get him again um, with Mahershali. So it's, I'm excited for this. What's really interesting is Morbius is primarily a Spider-Man character. And we all know the controversy around Spider-Man. Is he part of the MCU? Is he not part of the MCU? But we're getting a Blade, and we're getting a Morbius movie. So is there a chance we're going to see a Morbius-Blade crossover at some point in the MCU? I mean, we Blade could appear in this film. We don't even know yet. I know. Well, the trailer itself, I think, looks awesome. I don't know enough about Morbius as a character by himself outside of Spider-Man. But yeah. this trailer looked great. It and seemed... then that one last shot of him in the trailer, like he looks like Morbius from the comic books. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. man. He looked awesome. He looked exactly how I wanted him to look, and I was really afraid that they were going to kind of, like, wimp out and not do the uh, traditional, like, Morbius, like, face look, you know? I'm, I was really glad <clears throat> they have that classic Morbius look, because it's just so much more striking than if they just had it look like a regular guy right. with fangs and stuff. Well, the big buzz around this is in terms of it being a MCU connected movie or a Spider-Verse connected movie and not and all that and we're going to have to really like kind of look at this when it comes to more fruition, but um Michael Keaton's character the Vulture is in the trailer. Yeah. That's an MCU <laughs> movie. Yeah. And that's like, you know what I mean? That makes me really scratch my head in terms of what's going on contractually. Have, how have they have they fixed this and not told anyone? Or was this <laughs> done before all that nonsense happened? I almost feel like it might be Sony is allowed to play with characters <clears throat> that have appeared in Spider-Man films. Probably. But maybe not, you know, ones that are from the rest of the MCU. Um, I thought this was really cool. Um, I was actually talking to some friends... <laughs> And uh, one of my friends was like, well, it would have been cooler if it was Blade at the end instead of the Vulture. And I'm like, yeah, I actually kind of agree with that, well, too. Well, it, it would be. <laughs> I get that, that it would have been cooler to have yeah. Blade. But I also think of that, that it's it's also the issue of that's an MCU connection. Yeah. Where we've been dealing with an issue of Spider-Man being part of... Is Spider-Man in the MCU? Is he not in the MCU? We have X amount of movies left. We don't. Like, what's yeah. going on? what's going on with the Spider-Verse and being left in the dark because they're not going to tell us anything until movies come out. Mm-hmm. And here we are getting an actual MCU connection. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I thought I thought it was great. I'm excited. I think um, 
I don't know a lot of the specifics of Morbius's uh, backstory as well, like kind of like what you're saying, and uh, it does kind of look like a very almost like scientific, like superhero-based sort of vampire origin as opposed to most vampire origins, which are kind of magic-based. So it'll be kind of cool to see what approach they take, especially since the MCU in general has been very um, standoffish, for lack of a better term, when it comes to having magic in their movies. Like, it seems like they kind of lean more on the scientific explanations for stuff, if that makes sense. So, right. Yeah. All right, then. Um, well, let's jump to the other side of the pond and talk about another trailer that came out this yeah. week. Uh, the, I, 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 it's real close to saying it's the final trailer for Birds of Prey. I mean, it probably is, right? Probably is. Yeah. Um, I only watched it because there was some buzz around it. Like, this is the best Birds of Prey trailer there was. Um, I will say, it, in my <laughs> opinion... Versus the other one. <laughs> versus the other, right. I will say that it is the better of the Birds of Prey oh, trailers. Oh, absolutely. Um, Before the show, you mentioned something about this to me, and I didn't realize... I didn't really think about what the first trailer was, but the first trailer <laughs> felt almost more like a fashion show, where this actually felt like a story trailer, you know? It wasn't just people walking or, or dancing by wearing like their outfits from the film. Right. So. Um, I will say that... This one gives you a good idea of what the movie's actually about. Um, this one actually shows all the characters, for real shows all the characters. Um, it uh, definitely shows you that it's very Harley Quinn-centric, but it also finally gets to show you the villain in his mask. Mm-hmm. Like, the villain's the black mask, and you keep seeing him not in the mask, and now it's like, sweet, we finally get to see it, awesome, amazing, you know. So, yeah. Um, I think that's really good that we finally got to see it, so it's not just like... He's the character until the end of the movie, and then he puts on the mask. Like this looks like he's yeah. got it multiple times in the movie. So that's actually a good point. That wasn't necessarily something <clears throat> I was watching for, but yeah, that is. Uh, it wasn't something I was movie. watching for. It's something that I was like, "There it is." You know what I mean? Like you put the mask on, <laughs> yeah. awesome. And the black mask. I have my favorite Batman villains and stuff like that, but he is one of those villains that just makes my skin crawl because of some of the horrible, horrible things he does in the comic books. Like, he's mm. one of those, he is one of those villains you do not mess with kind of thing. So I was really kind of, I thought it was kind of uh, ballsy on their part to go with that villain. Yeah. But it's also like, let's see how far they take it because the movie got an R rating. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Other DC news. <laughs> um, the Flash movie. Okay. We're actually getting a flat. We're actually getting a flash movie. Uh, flash movie will we'll be, <laughs> yeah, will be in fact an addition adaptation of the Flashpoint storyline from the comics. Ooh, okay. The director has said that it will be a different. <coughs> it'll be a different version of Flashpoint than you are expecting. Actually, I like that. Well, <laughs> I was just gonna say, what are your thoughts? Um, so why don't you tell me your thoughts and I'll tell you mine. <laughs> so the thing about Flashpoint, like I think Flashpoint is an awesome story. Like I love it. It's actually, it might be my favorite um, DC animated film. Actually, it's really good. Um, but I think that uh, the thing about Flashpoint is it's a like universe restarting story. You know, this right. is what they started the New Fifty Two out of. And even though it's like a beloved story that everybody kind of pitches for being the flash movie i always felt like is it too soon to do a story that's going to completely reboot their universe and when it's the uh 
I don't re- remember if he said writer or director or whoever director. said, it's not going to be what you expect. Maybe that's where it changes, where it's not about setting up a new universe, but it's about like returning the universe to how it should be. And you can still have all those uh, cool, uh, you know, time travel aspects and like alternate reality aspects well, in it. And stuff when like it that. says that it's not going to be this Flashpoint movie that we expected, this is what I think. The internet expects the Flashpoint movie to be shot for shot, frame for frame, exactly what the comic book is. But that's the thing. We go into every single uh, Marvel movie, every DC movie going, oh, that's the story they're telling? It better be exact. Like, what comic book fan doesn't? Like, that's the expectations we have. And then here's a director saying, it's going to be a little different than what you're expecting. Yeah. Cool. I'm down. There's a couple, like, key moments in that Flashpoint book that I hope still hold true and that's the ending with ba- the ending scene with batman where he oh, delivers him yeah. the letter i hope that's in there um the, like things like that they better be there like don't mess those things up because those are some of the coolest parts about that storyline absolutely so, um but i It'll get be it cool how they could and if they bring in um because there's a whole section with Aquaman and stuff there's in there. A, like, well, yeah, because he, when he goes back and he screws up the timeline and then comes back to the present, you have Aqu- Aquaman and the Atlanteans yeah. are at war with the the Amazons and Wonder Woman, and you're just like, what? And I'll love to and see then, how they handle the Superman stuff, too. Like, that'll be really interesting. You know? Right, exactly. It could be really cool, but that's the thing. Like, And then you have, like, the... Uh, Thomas Wayne as Batman, not Bruce that's, Wayne, because Bruce Wayne was the one that was murdered in the that's, alleyway. That's and actually mom, the, and his mom became the Joker. Like, come on! That's like, actually the number one thing that I want to see is actually Thomas Wayne. And uh, if there's if it's connected, like hopefully to uh, Batman v <laughs> Superman, that means Jeffrey Dean Morgan should be Thomas Wayne. Yeah, who I think that would be so awesome because like. I mean, if you're, I mean, if you're up to date on Walking Dead, like he's awesome as Negan. He is a kick-ass villain, and like seeing him bring that sort of like really brazen energy into like that version of Batman would be so cool. I think like that really gets me excited. Yeah, no, it's I'm look. It's the issue of I'm okay with you making some decisions to do it differently, but in all seriousness, let's let's do it right at the same time. Yeah, I agree. I just. I don't want to see them use it. I want to see the story. I just don't want them to reboot the DC universe yet, you know? Right. So. Right. Well, are you, um, do you want to do the list? Sounds good, yeah. Since we're, uh, since we're getting there. Um, all right, so it is list time. So, Ryan? And now for the top five. Um, all right, so this was your pick, so I guess this is my first go. So how about this? Do you want to explain what the uh, list was? So, yeah, me? I chose, like, our top five favorite uh, video game environments, and uh, I was coming from the point of view of, like, it could be a video game level, or it could be, like, something really simple, like, from a platformer, or it could be from something more complex, like could be an area in an MMO you like or uh, area of a first-person shooter game or whatever. But I really like thinking about, like, virtual worlds and stuff, so that's kind of what led me into this. I actually had a pretty hard time with this list, though, because... And the biggest reason is because I'm not that big of a gamer. <laughs> so I think some of, our, some of my picks are pretty weird. Um, Drew, I know you mentioned you expect us to match a lot. I, I expect this to match a lot because when I was thinking about environments... 
the way my brain tackled this list, and I was like, well, if I say this, it's a very blatant, that's a very vague sentence, so then I'm going to, like, expound on it. Okay. And my reasons for saying that, but that's also going to go... You're going to be like, well, I guess I match on that because of this one. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that's... I, I feel like that might be true because there is one that I put down that I do expect us to match on. But I feel like since I had a hard time with this, I feel like you're going to say stuff that I forgot about. And then I'm going to go back and be like, well, I got to add that. on." My well, list, my whole so. list is really vague. Okay. So it's going to make it a I think this is going to be a weird topic to talk Mine's about. Mine's pretty specific reason. for the most part. So, so, and I'll say this is like if any of you listeners are not big gamers, I want you to understand that the way this conversation is going to go for me is I'm going to be all <coughs> over the spectrum. Yeah. But one of the reasons we play video games is because we want to live in those worlds that we love. Yeah. So whether I'm playing a Star Wars game, I want to live in Star Wars. So I'm going to go do that. Or if I'm playing like a fantasy game, I want to go live there. Like mm -hmm. when you play Legend of Zelda, you want to be there. When you play Mario Brothers, you want to be there. Like that's why these video games exist because we want to go to this other place. So in terms of environment stuff, this translates not only to video games, but this translates to movies because like some of these environments I like in terms of video games, but it also makes me watch movies with those environments. Yeah, that's and true. Television yeah. shows. In the, so that's why I'm going to be all over the place. So even if you're not a gamer, I highly suggest instead of stopping at this point in the show, you continue listening because yeah. of the stuff that I'm planning on talking about. And um, so. I, like, I specifically chose this category that's very broad just because, like I said, I don't keep up with video games very well. And this is like something where everybody's played some video games and computer games. So... Even if, like, all your video games are choices from, like, 1992 when you're, like, eight years old or whatever, like, you still have, like, things your you Your favorites, pick, you know? yeah. Exactly. You still have, you're like, man, I love that level. Yeah. I get it. So, um... I have no honorable mentions. I have no honorable mentions. Okay, nice. So, I guess I have to go first. So, um, the first thing... Well, then I guess, let's see. <laughs> um, all right, I'm gonna go with the literally, and this is, like I said, these are all super vague, but, um, Rain... Okay. Like when it's raining. Like as a video game environment. And I bring this up, and I bring this up specifically because, and I don't know why it is, but I'll be playing a video game, like uh, Grand Theft Auto, for example. I'll be playing, and it'll get to a moment where it starts raining in the game, and for some reason it always adds this level of intensity. Okay. So yeah, it, no, just, it adds this level of intensity, and like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it this way. I'm not going to go play, like, when it's pouring rain outside, I'm not going to go running outside and doing stuff. Yeah. But if I'm playing a video game and it starts raining, oh, it's a rain, it's raining, and it's just, everything just seems cooler for some reason when I'm playing the no, game. Does I, that make sense? Yeah, that's weird. Um, I think, especially, like, racing games, it's always cool because <clears throat> racing games, they always try to make it feel real, and when you get to that point where you're playing through a track where it starts raining... And it just feels like that much more real. Like, I, oh yeah, right. I really am in the real I world. I really in this can't game, see yeah. anything. I better turn on those wipers. <laughs> no, I just like I said, mine are very vague, but they go for reasonings as oh, to yeah. why. Yeah, um, I like it. But the the rain thing and rain's gonna piggyback into another one of mine. Cool. Um, that's why I was like, I wanted to get this one out of the way so you guys understand how um, vague I'm gonna be with this. One um, of, uh, another example I have is, uh, playing, um, I'm really bad at certain game subtitles, but the, uh, 
Legend of Zelda on the Super Nintendo, like, even, like, back then, there's, like, parts of that game where it would rain, and it does, like, give, like, this weird, like, emotional impact to whatever part of the game. Right, I know, and that's, it's just, it's kind of cool, like, you throw in the storm, and, like, it it adds this level of intensity, like... And sometimes, and I think games get away with it more than movies, because... In movies, whenever something bad happens and it's raining, it seems so cliche. But in games, it's well, like they so think they get about, a little bit more of a pass. So for some think reason. about the movie uh, Seven, all the way till the end of the movie, like when you actually get to have the killer on screen until the killer is like captured by the police. It's raining from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie. Mm. Um, I never really thought about that. Yeah, it's raining, like, the entire movie. And it's I can there, think about it. There's a definite lighting change. I, I, oh. I never noticed the rain. Yeah, it's yeah. raining the whole movie. And then the, the movie uh, Stigmata, it's raining the entire movie. And it's done on design. It's done for the emotional aspect, the idea of things falling. Like, not mm-hmm. all video games do it well either. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know it's raining, but you're just like, man, you could throw a little more rain in there. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, go ahead, man. Nice. Okay, so mine, that goes to a very obscure, specific one. Um, I've probably mentioned before I'm a big fan of the Tony Hawk games, and uh-huh. I couldn't go uh, without mentioning a couple of those, which I'll get <laughs> out of the way first. But this one's very random and very obscure. In Tony Hawk 2, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, that was the first game that you could make your own levels, right? So you sure. had the level maker, which was cool. And I'm not going to say what I said last week where it's like, I picked the park that I designed. No, this yeah, is a... That's, that's like no one knows. <laughs> no one knows what you designed. Yeah. So they had, but they also had pre-made parks, which were almost like kind of hidden. Like, I feel like not everybody would know about it. But when you would go to play a park and you could load one that you made... They had pre-made ones that were just designed by whoever made the video game, designed by Activision or whatever. So anyways, one of the pre-made parks, I can't remember the name, but it was like a maze one, where it was made, it was this, basically, you were set in a warehouse, and it was nothing but pillars, and you were in a maze. And it's like, well, Tony Hawk is a trick-based game, so what do you use that park for? And what you would use it for is the two-player tag game that they had in Tony Hawk. So it would be you and your friend both on skateboards going around this maze playing tag against each other. Um, But this, I thought this was, like, such a cool concept and, like, really made me rethink things. And it went to the point where I designed my own maze level that was, like even better than the one that uh that they had you know it was bigger and cooler and the other cool part about the maze was it was like like i said it was set in this dingy warehouse and uh if you remember that game they had uh spike pits that you could put in your in your skate parks too so you'd be going around this maze and eventually you'd run into a a dead end and fall into a spike pit and it was just kind of this well guess what you're it now and uh I don't know, I just think I have fond memories of that park, and it had this really, like, hellish sort of, like, uh, demeanor to it or something that I think was kind of cool, too, so, yeah. Right. Like awesome. I said, super specific compared well, to Rain. Well, but. no, that's, well, that's the thing, like, like I said, mine are very vague and, like, kind of, mine are all vague, <laughs> but there's a reason they're vague, because I, I think about the games that I'm playing, and I'm like, well, no, that's what made that section of the game like really cool you know what right I mean? yeah so um so piggybacking off the ring because i said that kind of played into another one of mine yeah is dense city okay like dense city and the perfect example i have for you i mean like I could... dense city or density yeah <laughs> no but like wow all right um a perfect example would be batman arkham knight 
Uh, the third yeah. in the Arkham franchise. Because, like, in Arkham Asylum... Was it raining in Arkham Asylum? I Arkham feel like Asylum, it was raining in Arkham Knight, wasn't it? It was, it was raining. It rains the whole game in Arkham, in Arkham Knight. But I don't remember in Arkham Asylum or Arkham City if it's raining. I know it's not in Arkham City. I just don't remember Arkham Arkham Asylum. But yeah. in Arkham Knight, it rains the whole game. And you're in the city, and you can go anywhere and do everything you want. But that city is massive. It's so vast. Yeah. And, like, very rarely would you be in a spot where you got to go under something where you weren't getting rained on. And it just... the the it's I mean, it's all at night. It's just pouring, pouring rain. Yeah. And then, like, you're in this massive city that, like, you can literally get lost in. Um, but it, but you'd get into these tiny little like nooks and cranny spaces of the city, and it made you think to yourself how big this city actually is. Yeah. Sometimes when you get into those small spaces, how large the game actually is in terms of your free roam, in terms of your wandering, and that comes back to my living in the world that you're playing. Yeah. No, so. I, I think that's an awesome pick. I think uh, Arkham Knight is uh, one of the few <laughs> games in that series that I've kind of toyed around with. Um, and like, like you said, the city is really vast and I do really like that nook and cranny stuff, like exploring all the little nooks of like this little city, the city that you're in or, um, sort of, uh, you know, how, how high can I climb? Oh, that place looks cool. How do I get up there and stuff? Right. And like the Arkham games do such a good job of that. Um, and like before that, like some other good examples that I've kind of experienced was like, there's like the, uh. Spider-Man 2, PlayStation 2 game, based on a movie, had some good, like, city right. exploring, as well as, like, Tony Hawk, of course, like, I've, so many of those levels I've explored and, like, figure out, like, man, I wonder if I can get up on top of that building, and then I figure it out, and then, uh, oh, lastly, like, Grand Theft Auto did such a good job sure. of this, too, of, like, I think it's a really good concept, because, like, yeah, that done city you know, climb wherever I can get, let's explore some stuff. Like, well, it really makes cool, me, you know? like, it, like all the Assassin's Creed games, they're massive. There's NPCs everywhere. Like, <laughs> they're, like, the amount of people, the amount of things you can do, those cities are insanely big. And then you look at a, mo you look at a game like uh, uh, The Division, uh, or The Division 2, where you're, like, so, like, The Division 2, it's post-apocalyptic Washington, D.C., and there's hardly anyone around, but it's D.C. It's the entirety of Washington, D.C., and you can traverse the whole thing. Yeah. And it's, like, super dense, but super, like, open because, like, you can go anywhere, do everything you want. Like, like my video gaming has changed from Mario Brothers to, like, these big open world stuff. And <laughs> yeah. I almost feel like sometimes if you're not open world and I can't go do what I want, I'm not going to keep playing the game. Like, you know. So. No, that's true. I mean, there's definitely a replayability aspect to it. Right. For sure. Like, one of the things, it's... <laughs> this is not on my list, but I thought about jungle environments, mm -hmm. and I'm like, a lot of times jungle environments are hindered because the game developer can't allow you to go wherever yeah. you want. And you're, you're kind of, of you have a, a fixed path. Path, and right? More a lot less. of times when you're in jungles, that's what happens. So okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the just the dense city environment, like, like I said, mine are all vague, but they have reasons for being so nice. Yep, I feel um, like I tackled your list idea wrong. But no, I mean, there, it wasn't really wrong. It's kind of a weird list, but I just, <laughs> I guess I was thinking more specific, but I mean, I guess dense cities are environments. So, I mean, there, right. <laughs> there you go. I just went specific with mine. Um, I'll get, my next pick is, will be the last Tony Hawk uh, pick on my list, I promise. And that is uh, the Barcelona level in Tony Hawk's Underground 2. And I only pick this one because this is, I think, 
an example of a level in these games that has pretty much everything that I want in it. <clears throat> I don't um, know this part, so. I Yeah, I, I don't know that I expected you to necessarily, but it's just a... Uh, it's just one of those parks where there's a lot of really fun places to skate. There's kind of like this cool area where you can like grind over the water and stuff because you're on this dock area. Um, there's also a lot of like parts where you can get on top of buildings. There's a lot of like kind of half pipes that you can transfer to. Like you go over this quarter pipe on the ground and you transfer to a half pipe on top of a building. But then if you jump out of that half half pipe, you can transfer to another one on an even taller building and there's a lot of cool stuff like that there's also like this weird park area with an elevator that goes super high that you kind of like can grind across the whole city on like this crazy monorail thing if you go up there it's just a really fun level it's i'm a big fan of these games and it's a level that i find myself coming back to a lot just because of all the stuff the cool stuff you can do in it so yeah it's kind of why nice. it makes it up there so awesome um all right i'm gonna Let's see how I... Okay. Like I said, this is... Uh... All right. So, again, super vague, um, but fantasy. Right. Okay, so that's my next is, pick. Yeah, this is an awesome one, too, for Right, sure. but this falls into... When I say fantasy, this falls... Like, what games fall into the fantasy category? I mean, I'm a massive Elder Scrolls fan, right? So, I mean, yeah. that's medieval times, fantasy, that's open world, explore, do what I want, fight some dragons, do that kind of thing. This this puts Legend of Zelda in that category. This puts The Witcher in that category. This puts um, basically any medieval times style game. Yeah. But then fantasy also rolls into, like, what movies are we watching? Like, I mean, look at... I mean, I mean they had games game, for all the Lord I mean, of the Rings. Game of they Thrones, had they had games for all the Lord of the Rings stuff. They had, Like, exactly. Yeah. So, just the fantasy environment, the medieval times. Like, that's an they area we want to live in. very bad Harry Potter games. <laughs> right, right. But we want to pick up a sword and kill a goblin. or we Absolutely. Wanna, you know what I mean? And that's kind of like what I was thinking about. I was like, you know, what games am I playing right now? I'm playing Elder Scrolls Online, and I'm playing Star Wars Battlefront. Those are my two video games that I basically go back and forth with. Yeah. And those are, like, the only games that I play. Mm-hmm. Unless one of my kid forces um, me to play Fortnite. But those are, like, the two games that I'm playing right now. Um, I pre-ordered Doom Eternal. I'm really excited for that in March. It looks awesome. Um, it I looks saw the trailer for it. Astounding. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, but um, in terms of, like, games... But, like, Doom Eternal, I'm going to get through the story, <coughs> and then I'm going to be back to Elder Scrolls and Battlefront. Yeah. You know, so... No, that's that's awesome. I definitely agree with the fantasy um, environment because it is a. Uh, I do like just these sort of environments. I like that they're so far removed from our world. Um, on an early version of my list, I had um, Hyrule as one of my picks, but I think it's just one of those. Like I love Legend of Zelda games, but I'm not like an expert on them by any means like i've played some of them but i don't like i haven't played them all i don't think i know hyrule hyrule well enough to pick it but it is an awesome pick for sure um yeah i guess i could move into my next pick i feel like there's a lot we could expound on fantasy like i feel almost like we're not giving this one enough time but it's just kind of like it's also so no it meant, no it's that's the thing the start, that's the thing know? like you know a game like okay so like legend of zelda for example it's no matter what you do in terms of your exploration, it's still a storied path. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, you can wander and do your stuff, but you're still going through the same story that I'm going to go through. Yeah. Um, Although the original was, like, kind of the closest thing to open world they had at that time, you know? Yeah, at that time. Like you go, yeah. Um, a game like Elder Scrolls, 
there is a main storyline that eventually you and I will both get to, but there's so much nonsense in between. There's so many choices to take that my adventure through the world of Tamriel and Elder Scrolls will be 100% different than yours, even though we may end up playing some of the same quests. And eventually, and eventually, like, I might do the main quest first, and you're going to go off and do all these all these side quests, and then you're going to go, hey, I'm going to do the main quest now. Cool. Well, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm off doing the side quests. Yeah. Like, we get the ability to share the adventure is different in the realm. Like, we can talk about the game. Like, dude, have you done that yet? No, I haven't. What, you know, and, you, and I'm like, hey, you got to go here because this is a cool weapon. Awesome. I'll go check it out. Where Legend of Zelda, it's like, well, you got to do this to get past the guy. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. but I mean, we're living in that fantasy world, but we want to live in that fantasy world. But I know, uh, like, I haven't played it, but like, I've played some <laughs> of it, but not like properly played it. But I know uh, Breath of the Wild is supposedly like really good as far as like what you're saying, like having this expansive open. Breath world. of the Wild is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Legend of Zelda game, <laughs> the Legend of Zelda game that hooked me probably more than any of them was Link's Awakening for the original Game Boy, mm-hmm. which they've just remade. They've done a re uh, remastered version of it for the Nintendo Switch. I kind of want to get it. Oh, cool! And I've looked at this. I've looked at the visuals and all that stuff, and it just looks astounding. Um, but that was the one I played it over and over and over and yeah. over and over again because I wanted to live in the world of Legend of Zelda. <laughs> um, um, talking about this, just this discussion is making me feel like we should have gotten our brother <coughs> Sean to be on this podcast because I know he's especially like like just thinking about just fantasy worlds. I know Fable and uh, Skyrim, like he's like those specific I, games. He's dove deep into them, where he's like, I remember for a while, like seeing him like play the games, and like you're still playing Fable, <laughs> like hasn't it been like two years? But he like milked that game for all that it's worth in the best way possible, and I think he did right. the same thing. With he's Skyrim, st- he's still know? playing. He's still playing Skyrim. Yeah, because he sends me screenshots every now and then, and I'm like, when are you gonna join me on on Elder Scrolls Online um, and stop playing Skyrim? I was watching Scott play Elder Scrolls Online for a bit, and that game looks so cool. Like that's. I need to invest in, like, a newer gaming system, but I feel like that's a game I want to play because it just looks so... It looks really cool. What's crazy about... And this is... Elder Scrolls Online has ruined multiplayer games for me because I can go, like... I can go into multiplayer and do, like, battles and stuff, but I can go and just wander around and do quest stuff. But let's say I'm, like, fighting a big monster that I'm having trouble with, and, like, three players run in and help me to fight yeah. the monster, and then we just kind of look at each other, and then we all kind of, like, go our separate ways. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice. But you'll be out in the wilderness doing quests, and there's, like, no one around, and every now and then you'll see another player. And then you'll wander into a city, and there's players everywhere and, like, doing their own things, and it's yeah. just, yeah. It's it's astounding and how big the game really is. When you were watching Scott play, did you see how big it was? Like, he, did he showed. Show you the I think map? he showed me the map, but it was a little bit like it was impressive. But at the same time, I was a little bit like I don't know what I'm looking at. But I think I was more impressed with actually the graphics and like how good. Like he was in some sort of village or city or something, and how good that looked, and just like how much. Like I was more impressed with how much. Like it's a. Uh, MMO, like I hope I'm using the correct term. <laughs> MMO, ma- like, massive multiplayer yeah. online. <laughs> right, but it's it's not a. Uh, I mean, I was confident with that, but I didn't want to say it. And you're like, well, actually, it's <laughs> no, 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 no. I I wanted to spout <coughs> I wanted to spout out the acronym because it made me because 
the acronym is funny because of the South Park episode where they play World of Warcraft. Yeah. And he's like, well, it's an MMORPG. And, like, how many people saw that episode and don't know what that acronym <laughs> stands for? Yeah. So. Um, but, no, like, I was more impressed with how believable it was, I think. Like, the oh. environments as well as, like, the graphics and the fighting and everything. More than the size of it, but... The size was cool, too. Well, I, was, I mean, <laughs> right. And then seeing the map, I didn't get as much of a grasp of it, I think, as that he was hoping oh, for. okay. But. I got you. All right, well, uh, your pick, man. Yeah, moving on to my next one. So these, this starts my... So we got out of my Tony Hawk section, and now it's into my weird retro game section. <laughs> Sweet. Um, so the first one I picked... And I wanted to pick a platformer of some kind, and I actually picked uh, Downland. So we've talked about this game. This is a very old, wow. like, uh, TRS-80 style, like, computer game that our grandpa had, and we played a lot. But it was just one of those things where Downland, the gameplay is so much like... Um, it's Mario Brothers, technically. I like, mean... Almost like a combination of Mario and Donkey Kong. I'd say it's, like, it. really similar to Donkey Kong style gameplay. But it was... The environment was so cool, because you were kind of, like... I envision it as your Indiana Jones, like, crawling through, like, caves and crypts oh, okay. and stuff like that. And it's, like, a really simple game design. It's not anything more advanced than Downland, but I think just the... Since it's caves, it's, that's mu it's that much more imaginative. It's really simple, but it's, like, really, really fun platforming. And when I was thinking of, like, what games do I like to play just because I like to be in that environment... Downland was one of the first ones I thought in the weirdest way, but like I don't know, I like simple retro games. So, no, that's you know. cool, and that kind of. Do you have any more to say on that? Pretty, that's pretty much it. I yeah. remember that game being excruciatingly difficult. Mm -hmm. um, but what you said rolls right into my next pick, for example, and that is claustrophobic. <laughs> okay. And you, and you're just like, yeah. where are you going with this? Why are you picking these like vague things? So, I love. One of the things I love about some video games, a lot of video games do this, and then movies do this too, when you have this like super claustrophobic feeling in the games. So think about like Doom, you know, where you're trapped on this like space station and like you literally can go only so far and there's the monster's trying to hunt you down. <laughs> yeah. Or like the Alien video games, like there's a, there's the game Alien Isolation, where it's literally like, it's like the movie Alien, but you are the only person on the space station and you're trying to survive and the alien yeah. like pops out like the idea of being like the idea of peril and like and I'm not a claustrophobic person I don't I don't have that mm -hmm. problem but the idea of feeling like that and trying to like doom uh doom 3 when that game came out I had to play it 10 minutes at a time because I was terrified to play it. You're in these tiny little spaces and there's monsters yeah. trying to kill you and the things jumping at you. A lot of the horror games are like that. Mm -hmm. And I ended up finishing Doom 3 in the middle of the day. I basically had to say, stop playing in the dark with headphones on and start playing when the sun's out and you can look away at something that's not scaring you. <laughs> um, but no, like uh, there's other games like Fear uh, with Alma and like the little girl Alma, which just like, kills people it's like one of the scariest games i've ever played in my entire life but it's, it's the game is super claustrophobic everything's super tight and you don't have a lot of space to move around and that's why i'm like do you understand where i'm going with no that? yeah okay. I, I know exactly what i mean i think um <coughs> doom's definitely a good pick i feel like wolfenstein does a really good job of the same feeling too right. like i played the crap out of uh wolfenstein on our grandpa's old computer and like 
like Doom, I think I, both of those are good choices. I feel like Wolfenstein, I always got, and it was probably because of when it was made and kind of the limitations of the game that I always did feel like kind of super claustrophobic. Like I always felt like closed in and stuff like that as I was running around fighting Nazis or whatever. But yeah, no, that's a that's a really good one. Right, and I and I and I <coughs> and I know I'm making you laugh with every one of my picks, but I appreciate the fact that you're listening to my reasoning for picking these. No, I'm, I, no I, I'm totally like understanding that what you wanted, but I'm. No, all I mean, over the place. It's it's all good. I think it makes for really good discussion. <laughs> Another good like claustrophobic thing is I've gotten that feeling from uh I think this the like sort of turn-based JRPGs, like that style of game can do it really well where like like my favorite one's Legend of uh the Dragoon or the Legend of Dragoon for uh PS1, but that's a game where like you're going <laughs> through these like you're trying to get somewhere and all the random encounters with like monsters and stuff you have to fight, like that's a really good way to making that claustrophobic feeling where you're just like, dude, I'm just trying to get to the next spot, but I have to keep fighting these ran random monsters, and that kind of, like, frustration is kind of, like, it's kind of cool how it encapsulates, like, no, this, like, magical land you're in is literally that infested with these random beasts you have to fight that it's, like, kind of frustrating in a good way, so. Right. If that makes sense. No, yeah, it does. Um, um, so moving to my next one. This one is probably my, well, Downland's probably my vaguest one, but I picked Pac-Man, and I guess if I go with that, I, you have to specifically go at the first level. <laughs> I love, uh, Drew gave me, like, a really weird look just now. Um, so, like, I think I picked this one because this is another level. one because this is another one that I love the gameplay so much. Like, I love... Like, Pac-Man and Tetris are two, like, of the simplest games I know, but they're two of the games that I find myself playing a lot. But it's also just, like, I love that it's a maze. I like the gameplay. I like... And that's, like, kind of what I approached it is, like, I like the gameplay, and the gameplay is almost completely based on the environment, like, this maze you're running through. So that kind of makes me, like, well, I guess that is one of my favorite video game environments. But thinking about the, the list, this pick specifically made me think further about what the levels in Pac-Man are and how they affected um, things that came afterwards. And I was specifically thinking uh, of, like, fan films and, like, fan comics and stuff and how, like, I've seen a couple different fan films that kind of depict a realistic version of what Pac-Man would be like. And uh, kind of like how I said, uh, I said a long time ago that 13 Ghosts, in my mind, is, like, the most real version movie of Pac-Man that you could get. Because yeah. there's people, like, running around in this maze of a house away from ghosts. And I thought that was really funny. But I like that you have this very simple template for an environment in the game that you can kind of build off of. And kind of in the same way that people have done with, uh, like, the original Mario Brothers games. But I like that people have, like, taken this thing and built lore off of it. Like, I, I saw another... Oh, I wish I could remember. I saw another interesting fan film where I felt like Pac-Man was, like, a real thing, but it was used as, like, like the game itself, like, Pac-Man running around, it was used as this, like, alternate fuel source, or it was something really crazy. And we've all seen the fun fan art with, like, you know, Pac-Man is, like, this ass... Like, everybody's seen that, the one where it's, like, Pac-Man is actually this astronaut not guy, and all his other astronaut or I why am I saying astronaut I'm talking astronaut. faster than yeah um, it's all good yeah I'm trying to keep up with my thoughts but uh 
all his other astronaut companions have died, and so it's the, him being haunted by their ghosts. And I love that sort of. Um, just, I have not heard about that at you all. Haven't, like, you haven't seen that. This is a, no. like a, a like a pretty like I'll show it to you, but it's like a fan drawing um, that I've seen, and I just like that people kind of like have built lore into this really simple thing. So. That's my really roundabout way of saying, like, Pac-Man's cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> All right, and this, and my final pick for the evening is a lot like rain. Nice. I'm going to say snow. Okay. All right, and I this. I was worried you were going to say darkness or something no. <laughs> like that. No, and this, and I'm not going to lie, this, I do not understand what my infatuation is with snow stuff in video games. Yeah. Um, like, Battlefront. No matter which version of Battlefront I'm playing, like the original, the uh, the original two and the other Xboxes, the newer ones, it doesn't matter. Hoth is like my favorite like level to play. I'm running around in the snow shooting stormtroopers. Like you know what I mean? Like I don't know what it is. That's yeah. one of my favorite sequences in Star Wars is the Battle of Hoth. But then throw in uh, I love snowboarding games. Um, like the the game Lost Planet, it's not the best game, but it the whole thing's in snow. Yeah. So it's just the environment. Uh, Sidewinder was my favorite Halo map, and then when they remade it for Halo Three uh, Avalanche, it was just even cooler. You know what I yeah. mean? Like for some reason, I'm always drawn to these snow things. Um, in terms of snowboarding games, uh, there's a game right now that's out. It's called Steep, and it is an open world snowboard game. So in yeah. terms of me wanting to explore and do my own thing, it is just a mountain, and they say, here you go. And, like, you can just kind of, like, airdrop your character and just go ski or snowboard or do whatever you want in the mountain, and, like, you'll find jumps and cool things, and you'll be like, that's cool. I want to go down the other side of the mountain. So you, like, reset, and you just go down. The, like, you know yeah. what I mean? You just free reign and do what you want, and <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. So I don't know what it is, but I'm constantly, like... I just like snow and video games for some reason, and I want to like live in it. So yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you there because I didn't pick that, but I think that uh, there's there is something about snow that just makes I don't know if it's like romanticized or what it is, but I feel like any environment, it's just like when snow is added to it, it does seem cooler. Right. Like, that like even though you have to deal with the ice, the Mario levels and snow are awesome. Like they mm -hmm. just look cool. Yeah. So and I'm just thinking of. Um, like, you know the scene at the end of uh, the first Kill Bill when it's, like, Uma Thurman fighting yeah. Lucy Liu's character? And, like, <laughs> that scene, since it's snowing, it just makes it that much more cooler. And, like, uh, I look at a lot of, like, random fantasy art online and stuff, and I feel like there's so many fantasy drawings that are just made, or fantasy paintings, too, like, just made that much cooler when it's set in the snow or, like, on some snowy mountaintop or something. And I, I don't know what it is either, but it just it does make things seem really right. cool, you know? Yeah, and then, like, Elder Scrolls, there's some snow areas in the game. I don't think there's enough snow areas in the game, but yeah. they're apparently going to be revealing something tomorrow for Elder Scrolls Online, and it looks like they're added, They're going to be, like, adding a Skyrim segment to the game, yeah. so we might get a lot more snow. Um, there, That is actually one of my favorite parts of uh, the Witcher series is that most of it takes place in, like, snowy areas. And there's even some parts of episodes where, like, they leave, like, a snowy area to go somewhere that's not, and I'm kind of like, well, I kind of thought it was cooler when you're in the snowy spots, so, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so Snow was my last pick. I know, like I said, I know my list was like bizarrely vague, but I had no, my I mean, reasons. I, I liked it. It made for a lot of good discussions. So, yeah, all right. Um, that would move into my last pick, and I think this one, I don't, it's kind of funny, but it's not kind of not, it's just kind of one that I kept coming back to, and I think it's just because I've spent so much time in this one video game environment, and I think I've just, I kind of grew an appreciation for it, and that is blood gulch from halo (laughs) so this is i think it's just back when halo like the first game came out and going to so many lan parties and playing halo so much with my friends and like i liked a lot of the different multiplayer levels on this but blood gulch specifically i feel like we played more than anything and it's one of those things like you could drop me into like a real life version of blood gulch and i feel like I would know all the little nooks and crannies right away and like, oh, this is the part you can sneak through and, oh, this is the part where you can climb to the top of the mountain. And it's just like... And then there's like, of course, Red versus Blue, like that whole first season that like takes place in it. And I just feel like thinking about Blood Gulch, I get so nostalgic that it just had to make my list. And it's kind of this cool... I like that this environment's like a cool place in like dare I say, video game history, you know, that's just kind of, I have such a nostalgia for, right. so. And, yeah. and like like I said, like, all those old Halo multiplayer levels were so good, but to me, like, Blood Gulch, because its layout is, like, so simple, but there's so many, like, little details to it and stuff, it kind of has, like, a, like, kind of an almost iconic feeling as, like, just this really good capture the flag course and just, I don't know. My first, my first game of Halo ever... Because I didn't, I mean, I didn't know what it was, and I was brought to a uh, land party. Like the first time I understood what a land party was, um, we, I went, and the first game it was snipers, capture the flag. Yeah. On Blood Gulch. <laughs> three on three. Nice. Which and I and I kind of spaced that out. So if you know Halo, you understand what I just said. If you don't, I want you to understand that one game of capture the flag took three hours because it's snipers on that map capture the flag yeah it was it was awesome and frustrating and it made me buy an xbox the next day right so i was like i'm buying an xbox and i gotta get halo and i didn't even know there was a single player i just knew that that's what that was oh yeah you know so yeah that reminds me of uh i love playing uh this is a tangent of course but like the course was hang them high and you could play like the in, invisible pi- pistols game like that was always really fun to me because it's like nobody can see each other but you have out the pistol so it's kind of like snipers and then you're on hang them high which is just like this huge like warehouse almost where you can hide anywhere and that one was always really fun to me and kind of similar vein so yeah um well that comes to my pick now right didn't you go first no that's so. it we're done like Unless you oh, have, I see what you're saying. Your like, pick for next week. Yeah, no, like, we're, no, your list is done, bro. <laughs> yeah, no, list is done, so yeah. it's my pick for next week. Um, so <laughs> Cool list, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is, all right, so this could be, this is, could very well be a very difficult list to do. Okay, and I'm throwing it, and I realized it when I thought of the list. But okay. uh, the movie Joker has really made me think about it. Um, I've had this conversation with friends over the years, and um, so, like, for example... Uh, Michael Fassbender played uh, Steve Jobs in a movie, and he was amazing. And then he went and played Magneto in an X-Men movie, and he was amazing. 
and he got Oscar acclaim for playing Steve Jobs, but he didn't get Oscar acclaim for playing Magneto. One of them's fictional, and one of them's non-fictional. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Okay. Joaquin Phoenix is getting a Best Actor nomination for an Oscar for playing a fictional character, and his performance was mind-blowing. Okay. The reason I'm saying this is what we're going to do for this list is we're going to do five performances of fictional characters. Okay. And the reason I say this is because the idea is is that I we I've had conversations with friends where we think there needs to be a separate category for actors for nonfiction versus fictional characters. Okay. Um. So like, uh, best actor in a fictional role, best actor in a nonfictional role. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. It's just something me and my friends have talked about in the past, and I always thought it'd be cool. So. In terms of like Johnny Depp, who plays a lot of fictional characters, he is a what you would refer to as a character actor. You yeah. know what I mean? He takes a character and he does an amazing, like mind blowing performance, and you're just like, where's the recognition? So, um, so what we're gonna do is, and you don't have to pick like you don't have to say like Johnny Depp and say he's always amazing. My point is, pick an actor who did like this mind blowing, memorable performance where it really stu- stuck with you, and then what role was that? So we're doing our top five favorite. Fictional character actor performances. Okay. If that makes okay, sense. Yeah. If that's a way of wording it. Because mm-hmm. I was like, because I'm like, because my my original idea was uh, favorite character actors. And I'm just listing off names of actors, but what made me like love their performance? Like yeah. what role was it that really got my attention? Well, then it's, and it doesn't have to, it's not limited to movies. It can no, be No, it can TV be television too. Okay. Um, I mean, video games if you really want it, because a lot of big actors do video games. I don't know if this comes into it, but since you mentioned Johnny Depp, um, he was obviously um, emulating Keith Richards as Jack Spar- as yeah. Captain Jack Sparrow. That's fine if they're well, emulating yeah, he's somebody still, else. He's still a fictional character. He just right. used he just used some mannerisms from a real person and said, you know what, that's kind of how that person would move, and he kind of incorporated <laughs> it. He didn't say, I'm being the Keith Richards version <laughs> of, I'm being, this is what Keith Richards yeah. would be like if he was a pirate. <laughs> yeah. He said, I kind of mimic some of his stuff and worked it in mm-hmm. so and I and how many other actors have done that that we don't know you know that's the, how I look at yeah, it yeah I always hear about ones and it's kind of just interesting sometimes when it's like oh so and so is trying to emulate you right. know whatever famous person yeah like, I just oh, thought it'd be kind of cool to bring it up and say hey you know these are these are characters play, these are actors playing fictional characters whether they're well known yeah. or not and the and what their performances are so okay cool yeah if you're down for that. All right. No, yeah. I like it. So, yeah. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. So, another episode in the bag. Um, if you would do us all a favor and check us out at our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with our link to our email address, uh, top5report at gmail.com. If you want to interact with the show, that's the best place to do us or hit us up on our social media. Um, you can go – you can – we are on – Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts. Uh, basically, we're not giving you any excuses to not finding us. Um, there you can subscribe to us, and if you do, you won't miss a single episode, and you can leave us a review. We love the five stars, but we also understand criticism because it helps us get better, and it makes the words we say feel important. Uh, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I will be spreading word about the blink and you'll miss it Michael Keaton cameo in the Birds of Prey trailer. No, yeah, yeah fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm pretty sure I blinked. <laughs> um, all right, so for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll see you next week. Bye.